First King chap First Kings chapter thirteen. We continue to do our journey to the book of First Kings, and uh, today we're looking at chapter thirteen. Let's look. Let's see what it says in chapter thirteen, verse one. It says, "And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, by the word of the Lord, into battle, and Je and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar, in the in the word of the Lord, and said, uh, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord: Behold, a child shall be born in the house of David, Josiah by name." And upon thee shall be offered the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord had spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are open, it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the men of God, which had cried against the altar in battle, that he put forth his hand, from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against dry up, so that he could not pull it again, uh, it, it again to him. The altar was also rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray, Father, as we look into it in this chapter, I pray, Father, we will... We will do like uh, due diligence in our study tonight, and we will go home. We will learn something tonight we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight, we're going to look at, be on guard for liars and lions. <laughs> uh, be on guard for liars and lions. I'll tell you folks, isn't it fit with our world today? I mean, I... I, I couldn't come out with a better title. I was like, what am I going to title this message? Liars <laughs> and Lions. <laughs> so it's like, we, I mean, talking about our world today. People lie to you with a straight face. They don't even get red anymore. You remember those days when people used to get a little red and little, uh, little lines in here? Because like, oh, that person is lying. Oh, it felt very uncomfortable about that. And, and of course, today we have liars like, all over the place, and lions, they want to, they want to devour you. So <laughs> be on guard for them, all right? They're around you, all right? So we're going to look about this. So a little introduction here. Jer Jeroboam was the first king of the divided kingdom of Israel. So Jeroboam's sin was idolatry. He created a worship uh, and worshiped gods other than the Lord. This practice of worship today, you know, is something that bothering me. I, I'm going to share this with you because it's bothering me. It's not part of our lesson, but maybe it's part of our lesson. I was in the defense department today um, doing something. My back was turned to those people. Uh, I was doing my job. And, and when the guy said, somebody said to me today, God bless you. And, uh, and what alarmed me, I mean, I was not trying to, to eavesdrop on people. <laughs> I was doing my job. Because I'm trying to concentrate on numbers, and, and I'm punching numbers in the computer, and, and I hear this thing. And, and what got me is this. I said to that person, which God is going to bless me? That bothered me. I said, well, what do you mean, which God? And he's talking about all these Greeks, gods, and these things. And I was like, oh, this person is so lost. Oh, my word. So lost. And I look 
straight at him. We didn't never looked at me. I was like, wow, that bothered me. That really bothered, bothered me. I'm sharing it with you. You see, sometimes, you know, can you be so desensitized away from that you actually even, I mean, usually people say, God bless you, you say thank you. Even to add, to say that back is like, oh. But anyway, I have to share with you. You're my, you're my little group on Wednesday nights, okay? <laughs> so I needed that tonight because it's been bothering me. So, oh, anyway. So, uh, so this practice of worship of the gods began early in Jeroboam's reigns when the kingdom was divided and he controlled, he controlled the northern part. He, uh, and, uh, and he stopped all the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, of course. He was a wicked king who erected two golden figures at, uh, to worship, one in Dan and one in Batal. In addition uh, to sacrificing uh, these golden uh, calves, calves Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. So this guy, he went like straight that way, and this guy was leading the people. And last week we talked about this. I was like, you know, nobody in that, in those ten tribes, stood up against this guy. And said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to where God tells us to do. And the Bible doesn't say that. He did all that, and it's amazing how easy people is, is persuaded. So, God's entire system of holy day sacrifice and worship was changing to a man-made system focused on worshiping idols, which is sad. In addition to the idolatry to the city of Bethel, and then became the places of worship rather than God's chosen city, and that city is Jerusalem. So, the sin of Jer- Jeroboam was darkly tragic in that he had been promised blessings from God if he had just followed the path of David. You know God said to, to Solomon? If you do this, he said the same thing to Rehoboam. If you do this, it's amazing how we forfeit the blessings of the Lord for the pleasures of this world for a season. And this guy here, same thing. So the sons of Jeroboam hunted the later kings after him. And you see, if you're after Jeroboam, if you read, read through the Bible, you're going to say, some of the kings are saying, and they practice all the sins of, go back to Jeroboam. So it's a specific Israel. Uh, so this sin was, was that, uh, without outrage, the Lord, that ultimately led to judgment upon Israel. So not tonight, our focus is not going to be on Jeroboam. just want to give you a little background here. I want us to look at the events focusing uh, uh, mainly upon the young prophet who came from Judah to, co- to confront Jeroboam. And i tell you what, for this young prophet to come out of Judah to, to face Jeroboam, it took some guts. Because now he's going to face a king. He could have he lost his life on that. But you know what? He did what God called him to do. He went and, and delivered a message. How many missionaries we have that go to foreign lands and some land and lose their lives with what? Message from God. Don't you know the gospel is a message from God? That's not our message. Listen, when you begin to tell people about the Lord and salvation, that's not your message. It's God's message. You're just a messenger. So, in here we're going to focus on this thing. So let's look at number one. The Lord's direction. The Lord's direction. Now, our world is full of liars. People who lie for living. Don't believe that? I believe that. Look on TV. Oh, yeah. There are people that lie for living. They lie left and right. Why? That's their living. Sometimes they just scratch your head and say, these people have some remorse. 
You know, when they sleep at night, their mind doesn't bother them because they know they just, they just lie to somebody, try to get their money, because ultimately that's what it is. You know, how many people you see on TV, you see even in the radio, or sometimes ladders approach your house, and you're like, man, these are professional liars. They lie for living. So we have all kinds of different liars. I mean, there are people who are lying from pulpits. You know, they out there, some churches, they give all kinds of nonsense. You know, they're deceiving people. So, you know, in our world today, it's full of liars. So, people who lie for a living. And that's, in, in, today, in, and then in today's age, as it was in, in back then, anyway, do you notice that people will lie to you without even being uncomfortable or any shame at all? It's amazing how we come to. People, I mean, maybe go this way. Sometimes people are talking to you or somebody's talking to you. Can you tell they're lying? I mean, you have been there on what you know exactly they're lying to you. And you try to be polite <laughs> as you can. You go like, oh, I, am I going to say you're lying? And he, he would just stand there and like, oh, my. It, it, ha- it happened to me many times on which people literally lied. They're like, what do I do for you to lie to me? I, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you here. But anyway, so, uh, well, be careful with liars. They do lie with a purpose. And the purpose is to deceive you and use you. So, but not only do we have liars in this world, we also have what? Lions. Those are the people who will step in your head, will stab you in the back. They will, they will do anything to devour you or to destroy you. So be careful with liars and lions. For one, they are not your friends. All right. If a person lies to you with a purpose, and you and Noah end up then you knowing that they're, they're trying to get something, is that they're your friends? I don't think a friend will lie to you, right? I mean, a friend, if you have a friend, you want that friend to be honest, right? Honesty, not lying. I mean, actually, it can damage, you know. I mean, it got caught on the lie, like, oh, you lied to me. Oh, no, I, yes, you did. And it's like, it's, I don't think a friend or somebody that you care for, you'll be lying to. So these people lie with a purpose. What about, what about lions? Oh, goodness. They don't care about it. They're not your friend. They want to just, they will step over you, all over you if they can to, just to get what they want. I mean, the workplace is one of those places that you find a lot of lions. If you work in the workplace, Brother Tom, you've been there. You've been there. They have a lot of lions. Their people smile at you and ready to stab you in the back in two seconds. Oh, goodness. I one time one guy that, that he was, was talking to him about working stuff. Before, you know, I got the administrator come talking to me, and he start, as I look at him, I said, honestly, it's like, where did you hear this conversation? The guy was talking to me, went in the office just to, to say things on me that were not so, just to get me in trouble. And I like, listen. I said to him, I said, let's go have a meeting with the other guy because this is not right here. He goes, oh, don't, don't worry, don't worry. He didn't want, because I mean, it was like, I didn't even say these things. But anyway, it's called lions. So, for one, they are not your friends. They do not care about you. They have no problem hurting you. Now, let me put it this way. Can a lie hurt? Of course it can. Some lies can hurt pretty bad. What about lions? Can they hurt? Yeah, if they got a good bite at you, <laughs> they will hurt. So, so now, what, what can we say about 
this prophet of Judah. What's his name? Little is known about this young prophet, young or old, or however he is. But anyway, we call him, let's, for the sake, we're going to call him a young prophet. His name is not even given here. Get this, many people are seen, uh, are seen to work hard all their life, seeking to make a name for themselves and have it to appear, uh, 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 want to appear in some market someplace. But the only thing that really matters is that, with the Lord, that, that the Lord knows my name and knows about me, not what people think about me. Believe it, me, listen. People can think what they want about me. That's fine. They, some people will form an idea about you, and, and you be known in their eyes in a certain way. You know what? What matters is what God thinks and what God says. We don't know the name of this prophet here, but God knew his name. You follow that? Many people don't know you even exist. But you know what? God knows you exist, knows exactly where you are. So let's look at this. We see the, the Lord's direction. Letter A, we see a person. A purposeful direction. Keep in mind that this unnamed prophet was a servant of the Lord. As a servant of the Lord, he was given a message to deliver to Rehoboam. That was not this message. It was that he was delivering. He was delivering God's message. Like, uh, like this young unnamed prophet of Judah, all of us have a purpose. Listen, when we say, I have no purpose for living, we lost, lost focus on what, what God is doing in our lives and what is our purpose on life is. Because we do have a purpose in this life. If you didn't have a more purpose in this life, God would take you home as his child. But for us to say, I don't have any purpose for living, we lost focus of what we should be doing. We have a message to the world. We know all of us here, those of us who are saved, are messengers. Like this prophet was. So, we have a purpose for living. What are, what are my purpose in this world? Let me just give you a couple of things. Many other things, but let me go. What is my purpose in this world? To be a beacon of light to the world. To be the salt of the earth. That's all Bible. Matthew 5.13. Matthew 5.14 and 16. To deliver the gospel, the, 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 the good news, the gospel, the good news to those who don't know. Matthew 5, 19 to 20. See, to teach the Word of God, Matthew 5, 20. So, folks, the Bible is full of statements of purpose for God's children. There is no reason for us to make silly statements like out of frustration sometimes, you know, sometimes and hurt many times because we don't like our situation in life. But we have a purpose for living. I have a purpose. You have a purpose. Our purpose is what? The Lord. He should be always our purpose. Every day, Lord, I don't know what the day may bring, but today I'm going to face liars and lions, and my purpose is not to listen to them. My purpose is to serve you. This man came out of Judah, and he knew he was going to face liars and lions, but you know what? He kept going. He didn't stop. Let it be we see the, a purposeful place. Uh, look at verse uh, 1. And behold, there came a man out of God, uh, of God out of Judah by the word of God into Bethel. So this man came out of Judah with a purpose. He went to Bethel. He came out of Judah. He was directed by the Lord to go to one place, to Bethel. Listen, we have missionaries that go to certain places. Now every missionary go to one part of the world. and other, Some go to directly one place. Why? Because the Lord have laid on their hearts. That's where I want you to go. So, 
This young prophet shows a remarkable courage by going to the place designed by the Lord. And let me tell you, folks, let me tell you this way. It takes courage to give the gospel to somebody. It takes courage to open our mouth and to go give a tract to a person. Believe me, it does. Go out of your comfort zone and say, you know, and you put your, you never know the reaction. The reaction, 99%, they always say thank you. But anyway, but still, it takes courage. You see, get this, for him to go and rebuke a king, he was putting his neck on the line. For some kings, rebuke didn't fit very well. They would get offended, and the price was death to the messenger. Folks, let me remind you that we have a message from the Lord that needs to be, to be delivered. The good thing about this message is that it fits each one of us. All of us are messengers here. We have the same message, the gospel. We are individually commissioned to go and deliver this glorious message. For some, this message can be a glorious thing. Let me tell you this. For me, it was. When I received this message, it was a wonderful message. It changed my life completely to this very day. I, when I think about it, so praise the Lord for the, the man that came to me and showed me this message. You know what? There are the people out there with the same thing. They want the same message. I, and you folks, all of you here, you're grateful that you saved. And somebody led you to the Lord. So now the Bible tells us that this prophet was going to a specific place to deliver a specific message. This specific place was called Bethel. What is so important about Bethel? Uh, Bethel, uh, it, it is very important to him, uh, to, uh, right here, I mean to him, but it is important. Let's look at a couple of things here. The, the Hebrew name Bethel means house of God. It refers to both the city and the site of major, uh, the major sanctuary that was established there for the northern kingdom of Israel. So Bethel sat at the boundary between the tribes of Ephraim and Benjamin, and eventually uh, the Delian, I mean, the that's the word, I don't know what to say. The Lanan, I guess, the border between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. I'm sorry. So I'll throw Bethel was in a dry hill country. Several natural springs supply water in abundance to his residence here. So Bethel is first mentioned in the Bible in connection with Abraham, who built an altar to God there, Genesis 12, 8. After visiting Egypt, Abraham returned to Bethel and offered sacrifice to God again in Genesis 13, uh, 3 and 4. Originally, a name Luz, I think that's how you say it, L-U-Z, right? Is that Luz? Luz? Yeah, my Portuguese goes with a U, Luz. <laughs> the city was renamed Bethel by Jacob after the patriarch experienced a remarkable dream there. So while traveling from Bathsheba to Aaron to escape his brother Esau, Jacob stopped at was that Luz? Luz, Luz. As he slept, he dreamed of a steward or a ladder to heaven. We know that story. But anyway, a battle is a place of great importance here. So we're going to go down a little bit here. So let's go to letter C. We say a, a purposeful message. So God didn't send this young man down to battle to win friends and influence people. He didn't do that. The task before him was to be a difficult one. And this message would not be a popular one. Can you imagine? God gave a message to this man to take it to the king. Imagine if you, this, this prophet, what would you say? 
When God sent uh, Moses to go to Egypt, and he knew what he did in Egypt, what he did in Egypt, he killed a man, and he ran for his life. Where's that going? I can't speak. <laughs> we'll send somebody else. <laughs> you know, is it in here, but we don't hear about this man complaining. This man has a message. He comes with a purpose. So this ma the, the message of the Word of God is becoming more and more, folks, unpopular in our society. We see a society that is, not, that is not very receptive of the message that we have today. The society as a whole is continually resisting the message of salvation. You know what? So what we do when we have churches bringing the world in to accommodate them, to make them feel okay. Listen, the house of God should always look like a house of God. That's the way it should be. You know, Jesus said my father's house had to be a house of prayer. People from outside that should come in and say, oh, it resembles a church. Oh, it's a church, not a nightclub. Right. You know, not a nightclub. We, shouldn't, we should not go out of our way to make people, uh, let me go back a little bit here. We should, I'm sorry, for sure the day of reckoning will come. It will. We should not go out of our, we should go, not go out of our way to make people angry or to, uh, or to create hostility among people when we give them the gospel. We have to be wise. So this young prophet was sent to God, uh, by God, to confront King Jeroboam with his sin. Folks, usually we don't become very popular when we correct those who are living in sin. Do you repeat myself? Usually you're not very popular when we correct those who are living in sin, especially if it's a Christian. They can turn on you in two seconds. I mean, I have one time a brother that was living in sin, and I approached him, and he didn't know why. He thanked me. He said, praise the Lord. He came back, and he came back to church. But some of them, sometimes, you know, even with lost people, when we confront them and say, listen, what you're doing is wrong. What are you doing is They don't like it. They don't like it. Even today, we have so much sin. I mean, sin is sin. There's always been sin around. But sin that used to be practiced in darkness, now in the open light. And if we talked about it, they call us all kinds of names. It is abortion sin. But they don't want you to say it's sin. They don't want you to say it's murder. They don't want you to do that. I mean, last night I was looking at my granddaughter. I was holding her. And my first thought was that. I can't, how can somebody has the heart to take the life of an innocent little thing that cannot defend himself? So this young prophet was sent by God to confront King Jeroboam with his sin. That is, they received a purposeful instruction. Look what it says in verse 9. For so it was it charged by me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat not bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou comest. So he received purposeful instructions. God instructed him what to do. You go in, you give the message, you return this specific way. You know what? And now wonderful that God, God gave him specific instruction. He was to follow that. So this young prophet was further advised by the Lord that he was not to tarry in Bethel. 
He was not to eat any bread, not to drink any water, but he was to proceed from that place as soon as the, the message was delivered. And the question is, why? Because there was a lot of lions in there. He went to the lion's den and he needed to get out of there. He gave the message and leave. And it was also liars, which we're going to look into in, in just a moment. So, you see, we have a message that the world desperately needs, don't, doesn't it? It needs to hear and that we are commanded to share. Yet we must be careful that we, we not be corrupted by the world in sharing this message. We, we give the message and we leave, so to speak. So number two, we see the king's reaction. So we see, first, first of all, we see the, the, the my first point is, uh, let me go back here a little bit, is the Lord's direction. The Lord gave direction to this young prophet. Now we're going to see the reaction. What's the reaction? Listen, for everything, there's always a reaction, isn't it? And this guy's going to react. So look what it says in verse 4. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the men of God, which, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dry up, so that he could not pull it again to him. So God did something here, drastic. So you know why? Because this guy was giving orders to what? To go after the prophet. You know why? Because he didn't want to hear the message. He got mad. He, you know what? He should, he should, God, when he heard that, he should put up with God on that because it was not a prophet's message. It was a message from God to him. No, you know, he's blaming somebody else now. He's going after the prophet. And God stopped him. The Lord stopped him. See, the king didn't like the truth. The problem of this king is the same problem in the lives of so many people. They don't want to hear the truth because their deeds what? are evil. People don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to change their lifestyle. I had one guy this last week that told me, I don't want to go to church. I don't want people to tell me what to do. I said, listen, it's not me telling you what to do. It's God telling you what to do. I said, if you respect God and His Word, you would listen to God's Word. You know, another one goes, uh, uh, I don't want to go to a church with, with people go, go share the, the, the opinion about the Bible. I said, do you ever read one? Oh, no, I never read, read one. I said, why don't you come and listen to some? You know, it would be good for you. Maybe I change the way you're thinking. I said, how old are you, 67? Oh, yeah, I'm 67. Really? You never read a Bible in your life. But you have an opinion about it. <laughs> so the king didn't want to hear the truth. And the problem is that because people's deeds are evil, they don't want to hear the truth because it exposes them of the evil deeds. Jesus actually described those type of, of people in two ways. Look what it says in John chapter 3, verse 19. And, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming into the world, and men loved... Darkness rather than light, because what? Their deeds are evil. That's what it is. They don't want to come to church because they don't want their sins being exposed. It's not like, you know, uh, 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 the pastor is going to point the finger and say, you and you. It's not that. It's the word of God that, that penetrates their hearts and they feel guilty about it. They don't want to feel that uncomfortable. So they don't go to a church. Letter A, you try to, de to detain him. Letter A, then, verse 4. Number one, the king's attempt. When the king heard the words that were spoken concerning the altar that he had erected, he stretched out his hand against the prophet and ordered him to size, to be sized. I tell you, 
be careful. Or we, all of us should be careful when we try to put our hands on a man of God. You know, if there is a man is anointed by the Lord to be his spokesman, be careful with that. And this, this guy's right here, what they did. And you know what? I mean, I understand I work with people that are not saved, and sometimes they, they, they curse me. They do, but I pray for them. I do pray for them, and they know I'm a pastor. And some of them do purposely, just to try to get me going. I don't, I don't react to it. But anyway, so we see the king's attempt right here. This man trying to put his hands on the man of God. And you know what? Right there, God strike him. Go right there. His hand dried up. Number two, we see the king's arm. As attempted to detain the Lord, and, uh, uh, the Lord's anointed met, were met by the power of God. The arm that he stretched out was withered to the point that he could not draw it back to his own body. Can you imagine that? That cooled him down. That cooled him down. All that anger, all that, that cooled him down. Like a, just a little thing. Look what it says in verse 4. And he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him and his hands, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it again to him. Number 3, you see the king's altar. Look at verse 5. And the altar also was rented, and the ashes put out from the altar according to the sign which the men of God has given by the word of the Lord. So the same instant as his arm withered, the altar was racked, just as the prophet of God has spoken, and the ashes were wasted to the ground. So the king was seeing the prophecy of God just moments before spoken, fulfilled right before his eyes. What an awesome display of God's, of God's word, of God's power right here. Number four, we see the king's appeal. Look at verse 6. And the king answered and said unto the men of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray. Go back here a little bit. It says, Entreat now the face of the Lord. Look what it says. Thy God. Now my God, thy God. What a good word right there. And pray for me that my hand may be restored again. And the men of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored against, against this, uh, again, and became at, as it was before. It is amazing. People speak against God. People curse God. People don't want nothing to do with God's people, God's church. When something happened that is badly, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Isn't that amazing? What happened to that young player that fell, collapsed with a heart attack that happened? We had a, a prayer meeting in a football field. Suddenly, people saw the reality of life. That can happen to me. It is amazing. Oh, some, some big thing happens. Can you pray for me? It's good that they say that. But it's amazing how just a little thing, the reality of a, of a creator God is there. It is amazing. And the, the prophet doesn't say, I won't pray for you. He prays for him. Let it be with see. He tried to distract him. This is a good one. Look at verse 7. The king said unto the men of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Listen, folks. Remember, liars and lions, he offered him rest. He offered him refreshment. He offered him riches. It is hard to believe that this king's motives were pure. There's no evidence of repentance on his part right here. No remorse over the sin that, he, that has led the people of Israel to engage in. So since the king had been enabled to stop the prophet by force, he seeks not to win him by 
friendliness and fortune. Isn't that interesting? I can get you by force. I get you by friendliness. What God said to the men of God, do not drink, do not eat, do not stay. You go back to Judah. He knew the instructions very well. So get this, get this. If Satan can't, can't beat us, he will try to buy us. You follow that? If Satan cannot beat you, he will try to buy you. Smooth talking, appealing. Isn't that what it said to Adam and Eve in the garden? Did God say? Very smooth words to cause them to doubt, to cause them to do something that was not in the first place. This guy is trying now, oh, I can't get put my hands on you because God's going to strike me. I'm going to be friendly to you. That's not friendship right here, folks. That's not friendship. That is like sticking a fork in somebody's back right here. That's not friendship. This is with a purpose. That's lying right here. This guy is a liar and a lion in the same time. Let's go to our number three, the deceiving liar. Unfortunately, we Christians have the tendency to be too gullible. That includes me. And naive when it comes to deal with people. Brother Rosario, agree with that? So we, we want to believe that they are speaking the truth and that they are being honest with us. But unfortunately, many times they don't. Actually, we live in an age on which people, like I said, will lie to you with no reservations at all. We just have to be wise to be able to detect those types of lies so we don't fall prey of the schemes of others. I had a man, naive, naive, call me. This happened about three years ago. Call me. He said, brother... I know you're a man of God. Here's the words. I know you're a man of God. You're a man of your word. I'm a man of God, a man of my words. He came here a couple of times with his grandchildren. He came here. Uh, and he said, I'm a man of God. And we, I, I trust you. Trust me. My boiler broke down. And I need $800 to fix the boiler. I don't have money right now. But I promise you I'll pay if you could, 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 could borrow $800 from you. I said, brother, I don't have $800 with me because I was not even home at the time. But I said, but if I go to the church, I said, I don't have $800. Oh, I need $100. You're going back and I said, I don't have this kind of money. Smooth talking all the way. Making me feel guilty all the way. You know what? I slipped. Naive. And I said, brother, I have $200 with me right now. Oh, that would be good. He come, got the money, given the money. He said, Next week, I'll, I'll bring you the money. That, that will help. I have other people that I call. We're going to get this boiler down. I never see the men since. Sometimes we're too naive. Sometimes it isn't skill to say, I'm sorry, I don't have it. But we want to believe, you know. I saw, saw the men a couple of times. We want to believe they're telling the truth. And sometimes we Christians are too naive. I was one of them that day. You know what? I gave it to the Lord, you know. 
But still, I remember. <laughs> I fell on that one. So anyway, the deceiving lie, letter A, we see. Look, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a verse because i got to give you the verse. Matthew 10, uh, 10, 16. Jesus said this, Behold, I send you forth as a sheep in the midst of what? Wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is what the Lord's telling for us to be. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But he said, I send you to as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's our world. Liars and lions, full of them. The sin of the prophet, letter A. Look at verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his son came and told him all the works of the men of God had done in that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, then they told also to their father. So Satan would, would, uh, would he use an old prophet of the Lord to deceive the young prophet. And this man should know better here. But he did. There is a great lesson to learn from, from this event. Temptation and deception often comes, folks, from unusual sources. You follow that? Here's a man who had once heard from the Lord and once, and once himself delivered the message of God, but now he is a messenger, or a, 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 I'm sorry, but now he is a messenger in the land of another. So he is this, trying to deceive this man, which he does. How had this old prophet got to this point? How a man that spoke, was a spokesman for God come to a point where he is, not being used by God anymore, and also deceiving somebody that is serving the Lord. So I believe that the sin of this old prophet is quite evident, along, uh, though no detail is given here. He was a prophet who lived in battle. He lived in the realm of rebellious. He knew personally the king's ways. He saw the golden image uh, that uh, the image he had, he had made to worship, that the king had made to worship, and he had seen the altar erected. And though he is not there as the king dictates, the altar to observe it is, neither is he there to oppose it. So this prophet saw all that erect in Israel, and he did nothing about it. You know what? His sin is a sin of doing nothing, it's a sin of negligence, it is a sin of tolerance. I'm neutral. I have no saying. That's not a good place to be, folks. Every person have an opinion. Isn't it? All of us have an opinion. Any situation in life, if you have many people in, 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 that, in the area or in, the, in that room, everybody has an opinion. Because that's how we are. That's the way God made us. This guy had no opinion. This guy allowed the stuff to go. I don't see this guy speaking for, speaking for God against the king. He did not. He consented. He allowed it. So God had to get a man out of Judah to do the job that this guy could do in Bethel. Isn't that amazing? Okay. What happened in England? In Scotland? In Ireland? Who was there years ago? Great churches. Great preachers. What happened today? We sent missionaries there. Shouldn't have preachers there, preaching the word of God. This guy was in battle. If he was, if he was walking with the Lord, God would use him there. 
But God had to send a man from Judah. We have to send missionaries across the sea. Let it be, we see the scheming of the old prophet. We see, for lack of time, I'm not going to read these verses, but from verse 11 to verse 19, we see the scheme that goes on here of this guy. So this old prophet was not, uh, uh, was not present at the dedication of the altar, but his sons were. Having heard the message of the young prophet and the works that occurred, the old prophet searches for the young prophet who had departed. So this, young, this man comes with a plan to deceive this young prophet from Judah. Get this, folks. This is called a premeditated plan. It's obvious that the, that his deceiving word speaks of his walk and fellowship with the Lord. This guy goes after this young prophet with a purpose to deceive him. Look what he does. Look what his persistency. He searched for him, verse 13 and verse 14. He found him in verse 14, and he fooled him in verse 15 to verse 18. He goes and he fools him. Folks, let me put it this way. Be wise as serpents, right? You know why? Because we have a world ready to deceive you. He has a world, we have a world ready to deceive you. You know what? We have a lot of liars and lions around. It's interesting what he does here. For the sake of, of time right here, let's go to point number four. The result of partial obedience. Anyone who has children knows what partial obedience is. Right? Okay, we have children here. Or oh, most all of us. <laughs> you know what partial obedience is, right? Um, could you go clean your room? Oh, yes, sir. I'll go clean my room. I mean, it's like an ocean of stuff all over the place, you know, all over the floor. Can't even, you tippy-toe, you don't even know how to walk there. And when it do, it goes from the floor to the bed. They walk two minutes out of the room, I'm done. And they go, we're done. We're that fast? And you walk in the room, you have a pile. Like, whoa. Partial obedience. Isn't that partial obedience? Oh, I clean it. I mean, I, you know, it's amazing. Kids are like this. You have to be, you have to literally say exactly word for word, detail by detail. You say, you take the clothes out of the floor. You put it in a dirty clothes hamper. All right? You hang the clean clothes and put it on the closet. And fold those who have to be fold in the drawers. All right? You dust your furniture. Rearrange everything. Fix your bed. Okay? Fix your shoes. You have to go deep. Otherwise, like, partial obedience. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we did what uh, our kid, we said. Okay, this thing got to stop. We're going to get somebody here to clean your room, and you're going to pay for it. Oh, I don't want that. I, don't want that. I was like, I'll give you the bill. you <laughs> pay for it. <laughs> it got a little better. Not quite, but it got a little better. <laughs> so we see the results of partial obedience. Look at the letter A, a fatal mistake. Look at verse nine, 19. And he went back with him and did eat in the house in his house, and drank water. Let me put it this, folks. What did God told this young prophet? Go to Bethel. Don't eat, no drink. Don't come, don't come back the same way. God gave us specific orders. And then what he did? He disobeyed. And you say, good night. can God be so hard because of that? Let me put it this way. Adam and Eve fell the same way, didn't they? They believe a lie knowing very well that God, what God had said. Okay? King Saul paid a great price for partial obedience as well when he, when he knew, 
knew every well that what God told him to do and he did not. Rehoboam is another one who just because of partial obedience, the kingdom was divided. Yet partial obedience is not enough. In this case, it's proved fatal to this young man of God right here. God had a purpose for his call and his command. And he, had a, and, and he said, you do this, but he didn't follow what God said. Let it be, we see a sad outcome. We see this from verse 20 all the way to verse 24. You see, he went to the king and he found, he found in the king a liar and a lion, but he found an old prophet to be a liar. He fooled him. So I believe that the old prophet is just as surprised as, as surprised as the young man was uh, to hear the word of God come out of his mouth here. I believe that the message that flows from the mouth of your prophet is a wake-up call him uh, and a message of judgment of the young prophet. Actually, let's look back here a little bit. I know I'm going late right here. Uh, but let's look what it says right here because I'm talking and not making any sense if, if somebody's watching online. So it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came into the prophet and brought, and brought him back. And he cried unto the men of God that came from Judah, saying, Thou saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the command which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but comest back, and thou hast eaten bread and drink water in the place of which the Lord did, did uh, say, say to thee, Eat no bread, drink no water. Uh, thy carcass shall not come into, uh, shall not come into the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he uh, settled his, uh, him, uh, to, for him the ass to wit and the prophet whom the, he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him in a way and slew him and his carcass uh, was cast in a way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. Can you imagine that? It was God severe. God gave him a warning. Don't do this. This is the, the, the instructions I give you. Was God mean? No, God tried, the Lord tried to protect him. But he disobeyed the Lord. Partial obedience. You see, folks, we too can fall in this, this snare of partial obedience. Let me put it this way. When you raise your kids... Most of us raise our kids. Did you like when your kids were, did partial obedience to you? Of course not. It was not a good thing, right? It makes you feel bad. It, 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 in some cases, it got you frustrated. I told you this specifically word by word. Why don't you listen? What, what, how did you miss that? Distractions along the way. Sometimes a lot of the time, distractions along the way. What happened to this man right here? Somebody fooled him. And he forgot what God said. Or he forgot or he didn't keep. Maybe he forgot. He got, because the other man really fooled him really good. I'm a prophet of God as well. And he believed that. So partial obedience. God, doesn't want, God wants total obedience to him. I conclude with this tonight. In conclusion tonight, let me remind you that God expects us to be obedient. It is not enough for, to only carry through halfway. We should also remember that temptation can come from, from all kinds of sources and that to resist temptation once is not enough. We've got to resist it every day. We should also always be alert that there are, there are roaring lions around. 
who are, who, is, who are lurking about seeking who they may devour. And let me tell you tonight, be on guard for liars and lions. Our world is full of liars. Sometimes they knock on your door. They come to your door. They want to talk about Jesus and right at your door. You ever been to have those people at your door? They come to you. They are deceived. They don't want to deceive you. What about those lions? Sometimes you find one person, they, they're both liars and lions at the same time. But we live in this kind of world like that. And if we don't stand on the word of God and follow the word of God the way what God says, we will fall in the snares of these people. Because let me put it this way. If somebody is to lie to you, they don't care about you. If somebody to try to devour you, they don't care about you. Let's stand strong and be on guard for liars and lions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this message tonight. And help us, Lord. We live in a very wicked world where sin abounds, Lord. We see sin in every side, Lord. And the more we stand against, Lord, the more unpopular we become. Lord, there's many deceiving, pe deceiving people, Lord, with smooth words. And they have deceived many people, Lord. Help us, Lord, to stay strong, to be faithful, to believe in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.